Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 59 of Third Heaven Authority podcast. I'm Mike Thompson. Before I begin sharing with you the things that I have on my heart today, I'd like to ask you four basic questions. Number one, can you remember your very first experience with money? Number two, can you remember your very first feelings about money? Number three, when you became a Christian, what was the first attitude toward money that you felt in the church setting, the community of believers? And number four, how do you feel about money right now? I'll come back to those questions in a few minutes. In Philippians 4.19, Paul told the Philippian church, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now that scripture is found in the setting of offerings, money, supporting the gospel, what God was going to do in blessing his people because of their faith and support and obedience and all of those kind of things. In other words, it was about money. It was about riches, wealth, possessions, treasure, assets, and how that God supplies those out of his wealth, riches, treasures, assets in the glory in heaven. In the earth, there's what I call a spirit of prosperity. That spirit of prosperity is not only demonic influence that comes, but it's also an attitude, a heart's attitude, a mind perspective, a belief structure that's built within the believer. And that spirit of prosperity is a willingness to give of all of our resources in obedience to God so that God can add his resources to us. It's an ability to be able to share, to give to the gospel, to support the poor, to help other people in need, uh, because we know that as we give out of our assets, the assets of heaven are open to us. It's a whole faith principle. Now, there's also a spirit of poverty. And that spirit of poverty, again, not only a demonic spirit or influence, but really an attitude is hoarding our resources in fear because we don't think that we can trust God to open up his resources to help us out. We're on our own. We have to take care of ourselves. And so there isn't really any kind of trust in God. That spirit or attitude of prosperity isn't broken simply by rebuking a demon, but it also is stopped broken in our lives by changing our thinking and attitude about the subject of money. God wants his children to have a spirit of prosperity, to learn how to operate in conjunction, in harmony, if you will, congruently with him in all of the affairs of life. He wants us to have plenty for our own lives. He wants us to take care of our families, to put food on the table, to be able to uh, give our children proper clothing, to have a nice home, to be able to take vacations, uh, do the things that are necessary just in life because he really cares about his children. In uh, 
Mark 9, 23, the Bible says, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So in other words, what I'm really going to address today is not only the subject of money. I know there's that word that, uh, you know, so many people are afraid to talk about in Christian circles and particularly in what would be called the church, the assembly of the saints coming together. You don't talk about money. It's almost as if money is dirty. I mean, after all, the love of money is the root of all evil. It says love of. He doesn't say money is the root of all evil. Money is an inanimate object. It's nothing more than a tool. It's our belief structure, our attitude about money, how we approach it and how we use that tool or don't use that tool that determines our success in life or our failure concerning natural things. I believe, as I already stated, that God wants his children to prosper. As I've mentioned before, prosperity literally means to come to the end of the journey successfully. All the boxes checked, being able to have accomplished the things that you wanted to accomplish, and more specifically, to be able to see that the fruit of your life mirrors the destiny that God has for you, and that we haven't, in a false humility, sat back and just rejected what God had for us in our lives. So let's get into this subject a little deeper. As we do that, we have to then address Jesus. I mean, you know, everybody's going to say, but Jesus, you know, he had no place to lay his head. He didn't have money. He didn't talk about money. That's not true. First of all, did you know that Jesus was born into at least a middle class, we don't know if it might have been a little more upper, family? Joseph was a carpenter. He had a business. He provided for his family by working that business. Carpenters generally in the community make at least a decent, if not above average, wage, living. And so it was that Jesus' family was at least not in what we would call poverty. We find that when Jesus was born, Remember the three magi that came? What did they do? They were very rich, influential people. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those were the gifts that were offered. See, at that particular point, Joseph and Mary didn't have the money to finance their flight into Egypt for two years and then come back. And so God supernaturally provided for it. See, that's an element of prosperity is the knowledge that God is going to find a way, even if our paycheck is not quite enough. God is going to find a way. If we discover that that week or that month, that everything that we uh, have on our list when we go to the grocery store is on sale, or it's a two-four, the price of one, uh, any of those kind of situations, it's great. Or if our car battery, our tires, our washing machine, other items are just extended by the life of them 
because of just supernatural presence. CK and I pray over everything that we purchase. We call it into the ministry. We call it into our lives. We pray for favor. We pray for long life. We pray for it to continue. And uh, if, if the life cycle of it by the manufacturer is supposed to be five years, then we pray it's going to last 10. Uh, and so we want to see God moving in every area of our life supernaturally. There are so many times as ministers that we've come up against situations where we didn't really know what to do about it. I, I'll share one with you. CK and I, early in our ministry, were going to go on an uh, evangelistic trip, a teaching trip. It was for ministry. We didn't have the money. The meeting was all set up. It was in another town. There were expenses that were involved, and we did not have the money. And so we didn't have a spirit of poverty that, oh, we can't do this. We're not going to be able to make it for God. It was God is the one who directed so therefore, God is the one who's going to have to provide. We packed all of our belongings. We put them in the car, and we were driving down the street, just believing God. And suddenly, we heard a honking of a horn, and somebody pulled up beside us and started waving at us. We didn't even know who this person was. And they kind of motioned for us to pull over. Well, we did that. We pulled over to the side of the road. They came running up, and they said, Pastor, God told me to give you this. And they shoved uh, an envelope, white envelope, through the car window. And like I said, we don't even know who they were. They said, the Spirit of the Lord told us to give this to you. We said, thank you very much, and we appreciate that. And then we got on the road. CK opened the envelope. And it was full of cash, completely financed our trip. Let me tell you another story. I think I've shared it once or twice on the podcasts before us. And that was when we were on another evangelistic trip. We had a motorhome. And we were in another city that was about 150 miles away from our home. And we had preached a meeting that night. And after the meeting, we needed to put gas in the motorhome. We didn't have time to do it prior to. And so we went looking for gas stations. They were all closed in that city. We couldn't get any gas. And we thought, oh, my lands. There might have been perhaps one or two that was open, but um, we didn't have the cash. They wouldn't take a check. We were I forgot the particulars specifically, but we said, okay, okay, we have a need here that goes beyond. And uh, just what's in our pocket, what we can do in the natural realm, we do not have a spirit of poverty, lack, fear, not knowing what to do. We're going to, in prosperity, go forward. Because we recognize that prosperity covered all areas. It wasn't just money in the bank account. It was how we approach life. And so we just prayed about it. We said, let's go home. The gas gauge needle said that uh, we didn't have enough gas to make it all the way home. But we're going to pray. We got in the motor home and started driving. We prayed about it, thanked the Lord for the answer, and we just kept it going. I crawled into the bed because I was tired. And I took a nap. And CK drove home. And man, that 
gal has so much faith and she believes God for money. If you ever have a chance to hear C.K. teach on prosperity, on the anointing for supernatural finances, on the revelations, the dreams that God has given her about it, man, I, you just take that chance. You jump at it because she has so much revelation on this subject. And she is praying and we're going along. We've got I don't know how we made it on fume. I know how we made it because of, of the power of God and because of our faith. But in the natural, there was no reason for us to be able to make it home without pulling over to the side of the road, you know, out of gas. But we made it. And as we were getting closer to town where we lived, it, the motorhome started to jump a little bit like it was trying to run out of gas. Man, she'd just say, no, you don't. You're driving all the way home in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and we got to the outskirts of town. And as we did, uh, I think I was awake at that time, and, and she said, Mike, there's a, a gas station up here on the right. Should we pull in there and just see if they'll take a check? These were early days, you know. We didn't have credit cards, the kind of things that we do now. And she said, or should we just drive this all the way home to our driveway? I said, okay, well, let's just pull in here. And so as we got and started to pull into the gas station, it died, chugged, and pulled right up next to the pump. And the attendant came out and said, can we help you? And, of course, we said, well, sure, we'd like some gas, but would you take a check? Because they didn't really take checks during those days either. It was, it was cash. And he said, sure, why not? We said, fill her up. See, my point is to encourage you and to let you know that that spirit, attitude, belief structure, approach to life of prosperity is what puts you over. Did you know that also, going back to Jesus, is that he took over Joseph's carpentry business and that he worked for a living before he went into the ministry up until he was 30 years of age. He ran that business. He provided an income. He uh, probably did very well according to the standards of that particular day. Then, when he went into the ministry, he became the head of an evangelistic team of 13 men. I'm talking about including himself, 12 apostles, and they all had families. Not only that, but there was a treasurer that held the money. Do you know any poor people that have treasures? Do you know any poor people that have an entourage or an evangelistic team and have to pay and take care of? 12 employees, as it were? Jesus did. Did you know also that even though the Scripture said he had no place to lay his head, and that was primarily referring to him traveling, that when he left Nazareth, he had a house in Capernaum that he took care of. They financed, they rented. There was a house in Capernaum. That was his home base. 
That was his office, if you will. And then as they traveled, of course, he had places to sleep because he was taken care of because of the Holy Spirit. One example of that is Lazarus there in Bethany. Lazarus was a wealthy man with his sisters Mary and Martha. Every time Jesus and his team came by, they put up the whole team. They housed them, they fed them, they took care of them. What I'm saying is God was covering all the bases because of the supernatural power of God that was on Jesus. You can have the same kind of attitude. Well, what about the miracles that Jesus performed? Jesus didn't have the wherewithal, the money, or even the availability on two different points in order to feed the people that were with him. So what did he do? He multiplied the bread and the fish. He performed a miracle. That's prosperity. We also know that when he needed tax money for the temple tax, he sent Peter fishing, and he said, pull the coin out of the first fish's mouth. Okay, so the first fish, remember it said first, that meant there were others, paid the tax. But the rest of the catch took care of their needs. It's miraculous supply. Even at the end of his life, in his death and resurrection, that there was a rich person, Joseph of Arimathea, who gave Jesus his tomb. That tomb cost a lot of money. And it took care of Jesus' death. He was only in it for two and a half days or whatever. On the third day, he arose. But do you see what I'm getting at? The spirit, attitude, belief structure, heart condition of prosperity, of success, of the favor of God being on our lives. You know, Jesus even said in Matthew 6, 25, for us not to worry about those physical things. Now, he didn't say you couldn't be concerned about them. You know, he understands perfectly well what you have need of. He said, the Father knows that you have need of these things even before you ask. He didn't say that you shouldn't want them or don't need them. He just said, don't worry about them. Because worry is fear. It's the opposite of faith. Worrying about something. See, worry is fear. Kind of an acronym. False evidence appearing real. It's reacting to the natural circumstances that are screaming in your face. You need, you need, you need more money. You have to pay this bill. You don't have enough. Where are you going to get it? And it's fear, whereby faith is trusting God. And that's what Jesus was trying to do, is get the people to just trust God. Worry is meditating on the wrong thing. Faith is meditating on the right thing. See, the wrong thing are those things that oppose the Word of God, the instruction of God, your faith, and what God's best is for you. When you begin to meditate on those, and I've said it before, all of life's circumstances speak to you. There are people out there also who always have advice. Sometimes it's extremely negative, and they'll say things and try to sow doubt into you, and, 
and allow it to come into your ears and get in your head and start troubling you. Meditating is the process whereby we think and we mutter and we roll it over and over within us. And when we begin to meditate on that, we're in trouble. Now, see, again, you can't help what comes into your ears at times. Well, there's a lot of times we can stop and say, I don't want to listen to that. Or we can turn off the TV or do something else uh, and, and stop what's coming into our ears. But if it's already in your ears, what are you going to do with it? Well, you've got to cast it out. You have to stop it. You have to refuse to meditate on it. Because when you meditate on the wrong thing, it'll reproduce itself and take over your thinking. When you meditate on the right thing, then it will reproduce itself and take over your thinking. And the right thing are the promises of God, the Word of God, the destiny, your belief, what you are looking for. You know, the Lord uh, taught me a lesson when I was just early in the ministry, CK and I. There was a situation that really was troubling me one day. And at that particular point, I was still working. I was working a job. And uh, just prior to going to the ministry, going to school, working a job, and as I went to work one night, there was something bothering me. It was just eating at me. It's one of those things that I just couldn't get out of my head, and it was very troubling. And I was there doing my job, and I just, I was praying in tongues. I was trying to overcome it in, and cast it out. And I just wasn't being very successful. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and it was so strong. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm overcoming this. And he said, and this was actually the Lord, not the Spirit of the Lord, but it was the Lord. Same thing. And he said, do you remember in my word where I said that if you cast a spirit out, that it goes into dry places, and that if it comes back and it sees an empty place there where you cast it out of, it'll come back in with seven more worse than itself. I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, just don't leave it empty. The way that you fill that is you fill it with the Holy Spirit. You fill it with the Word of God so that when that Spirit comes back, it's not empty. He can't get back in. He said, do that now with your thinking process. I said, okay, Lord. And I began quoting scripture. I began singing in the spirit and just worshiping God. And I filled my heart and the, the atmosphere of my soul and everything around me with Jesus and with worship and adoration and with the word of God. And that thing left, and it didn't trouble me any longer. Worry is an enemy to be defeated at all costs. Faith is a friend to be cherished. You got to defeat the worry. Worry is depending purely on self-effort, what you can do. Faith is depending on Jesus' efforts and his consecration or his support of us 
and his destiny for us. So we depend on the Holy Spirit. We depend on the Word of God. We depend upon Jesus' ability. What has he provided for us that goes beyond anything that we can do in the natural realm? Praise God. So I really want to encourage you in this whole area of the spirit of prosperity. Jesus wants us to have that. Now, here I am halfway through what I was going to talk about today. So I'm going to have to conclude this next week on part two. Let me pray with you. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we know that you supply all of our need according to your riches and glory in glory, in heaven, in your word, in your blood, by your name, by your promises, by your covenant. You supply all those by the move of the Holy Spirit and his hand upon our lives. And I pray right now that you would overcome all negativity, all worry and doubt, everything that has been plaguing us in life to hold us down, anchor us to this earth rather than being able to soar in the spiritual aspects of what you have given to us. In the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit, demonic influence, and that spirit, attitude, belief structure in people's hearts as I pray for them. And I pray, Lord, that you would set your people free. Give us that understanding that we would break through into everything that you have provided for us as your dear children. I thank you for that, and I bless these wonderful people. I ask you to prosper them. And for money that you put in the earth to come to their lives, come now in Jesus' name. And I pray it all now. Please. And we praise you and we thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Join me in future episodes by subscribing to Third Heaven Authority with Mike Thompson on your favorite podcast platform. Walk in the Spirit. Develop a spirit attitude of prosperity.